we just thank you for this day. We thank you for being here and opening your word and, and seeing what you would have us to learn from this. We ask you to bless this time and anoint it. We thank you that Loretta is back home from the hospital and that you've got a plan for her. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The fear of the king is as the roaring of a lion. Whoso provokes him to anger sins against his own soul. It is an honor for man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So we'll stop right there. And it starts out with wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. And this is the idea of wine or very light alcohol. We still have that kind of mentality today that beers and wines are light and then there's hard alcohol. And, uh, and it says even light alcohol is a mocker. It brings, it brings scorn. It, it gets somebody talking arrogantly and boasting. And enough light alcohol will do that to somebody and strong one will do it quicker. Uh, and the strong alcohol is that's fermented. That it's really meant for being drunk to get drunk. Now, when people are drinking the hard alcohols, their their basic desire is to get drunk. You know, there's not much sense otherwise. And and it causes a raging. That and this raging is kind of an interesting word because it means to growl and murmur, to to be boisterous and rough. And that's pretty much what happens to most people when they get drunk. They get arrogant and boastful and, and loud. Uh, I guess there are some that actually get quiet and reserved, but that's a very rare... Yeah, they want to argue. Rare, yeah, they, they, they get drunk, they want to argue, they wanna, they're looking for trouble. And it says, whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So somebody who's getting into being drunk is, is not looking at wisdom. Uh, and it because alcohol causes problems and it's just known that alcohol causes problems people get into it usually to forget whatever problems they have that day self-medicating <laughs> self you know but just to, you know, I want to forget what's going on today and it may for a temporary period wipe out your your problem but then it creates other problems and the problem is still there it's not wiped out it's not gotten rid of and it usually brings about greater problems. So, it, you know, and this is, this is a theme all through Proverbs. It does not say it's wrong to drink, but it says it's very unwise to get to, get to the point of being drunk and, and getting into alcohol. The fear of the king is as the roaring of a lion who so provokes him to anger sins against his own soul. And basically it's saying don't make the authorities mad at you. Uh, they have authority and they're given and God gives government authority and he has placed governments over people so that they can rule over over people and the government is supposed to be a rewarder of good and a punisher of evil and so this is when when the king or the government roars people are going to be disciplined and hopefully they're doing it for the right reasons we're seeing more and more laws and stuff being put in together for the wrong thing. In the New Testament, they had a lot of rules that were against Christianity and preaching of Jesus and 
And there are times to disobey the government, but as has already been said, when you disobey the government, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be punished by the government. God doesn't say when you obey him that you won't be disciplined by the government at times. So people have to be ready. They have to be ready for that moment of if they choose to disobey government, there's going to be consequences. And we're seeing that in our world with all these people that are saying, no, we're not going to do homosexual marriages with their cakes and flowers and photography. And the government saying, well, you can't make that decision. And they ended up losing their businesses. And that's sad. But for standing up for God, sometimes there's a consequence, especially as governments get more and more away from God. And if you anger the government, well, you're going to have problems. Uh, it is an honor to every man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. And this is kind of an interesting statement down there is that, you know, if you're wise, uh, you're going to try to keep from all this argument and strife. And there's some people that just get in there and they've got to get in the middle of everything and be right. And meddle, you know, that whole idea of uh, meddling literally means to lay bare, to expose. I know something about them and I'm going to try to win the argument by telling what I know. Well, it could be blackmail, but it's not even blackmail a lot of times. It's just, well, if you knew what I knew, you would, you know, you wouldn't be trusting Do them. What I so say they, or I'll tell on you. You know, so they, well, it's not even, even that sometimes. It's just, I'm going to tell you what I know just because I want to oh. make life difficult for you. Oh, like being a, uh, you know, just to be in a meddler. You know, I know what you did last night, so I'm going to tell everybody. And, you know, it's not even trying to win. It's just being a, a meddler, just saying, you know, I'm nosy. I'm a busybody. Uh, you know, I'm going to just share everything. And, and nobody likes that when somebody does that. They don't like it when it's done to them. And yet it says the fool meddles. And, and it really is a foolish thing to get in there and, and share everything you know and, and lay, lay, lay expose people because... It's not something that's going to ever work out good. And we're told in the New Testament that love covers sin. Okay? We don't, the, the person who loves you is going to cover your weaknesses, is going to cover your sin, not go out and blab it to everybody they can find to, to meddle with. And this is what this is all about. The, the honor of a man is just to cease from strife. That means I know things, but I'm not going to say them. I'm not going to sit there and try to win the argument because... You can win an argument to lose a friend. You can win an argument and lose the war in the long run. You know, it's just not yeah, worth it. You know, so it's better just sometimes to back off and say, okay, we're, we're done. We're not going to go any further. And the world kind of looks at that as a weakness, but God looks at it as, as a very strong strength. And that, he says there's honor in that. There's, there's blessing in that. Verse 4, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he, shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. And this is a common thing. It's cold when you start your, your plowing for your, for your springtime planting. It's you start it in the winter or the very early spring when it's still cold. And if you get up and there's frost on the ground and you say, well, I'm not going to plow because it's just too cold, then when springtime comes, you won't be ready to, to plant, which means that you won't harvest in the in the harvest time and then you'll be begging and have nothing and God is all full of this is that you, we need to do the work in season to prepare for other things that are going to happen and it's the truth even in Christian life we do the things that it takes in the early days of our Christianity to prepare for greater works in the future 
And it may look like we're getting nothing when we're when we're learning. It may you know we're not understanding anything we read. We're not understand you know people aren't responding when we give them the gospel. But it's all preparation for the harvest. You know, Paul said that he planted, Apollos watered, and and another harvested, and that's the way it is in our life. We may be the one just planting seeds. You know, saying here you know here's the gospel. We could be the one watering other people's seeds that they've planted and just repeating the message or we could have the privilege of actually being the one that harvests the and gets them to make the confession of God but it is all part of what we're supposed to do we are to work uh, we're told in Proverbs despise not the day of small beginnings and so often people will say well that didn't have any in fact you know nobody nobody responded but it was a start it got momentum going and we've always got to be careful that we don't, you know, say, well, this is just too small for me to do. We do what we can. We work with what we have. Grease the wheels. Grease the wheels, get them started, move, get moving. And eventually God brings the blessings in. Uh, and, and things will happen as God starts moving. But we do have to get over that inertia. We need to get moving ourselves and just say, I'm going to do what God has told me to do. Whether I see anything from it or not is, a, is, is not important. It's I want to go forward. And God deals with it. You start a home Bible study and only one or two people show up. You do a midweek like this one with one person. You just do it and say, God, you're, you've got something in plan. And God will honor. God honors that commitment. And you go along, go along long enough and, no, and nothing happens. And you go, okay, well, maybe this just wasn't the right thing. We'll go do something else. But you start and you get consistent and you just keep doing it and you watch what God does with it. So verse 5, Counsel or advice in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And this is the idea that you know people have understanding and wise people will bring out, the understanding man will bring out that knowledge out of somebody. And that's true of most good counselors. They don't tell people what to do and what not to do. They just kind of guide them to what they know they're supposed to do. Or, you know, uh, because you're not one to ever sit down and say, well, you need to do this, this, and this. Well, because then when that person fails, they just look at it and you gave me really bad advice. We want people to understand that it, they have the information in them. They have the scripture in them. They know what to do. And they just learn to follow that. And that's good advice. You know, you, you give them godly advice. You give them biblical advice. And then let them work out where to go with it. Uh, because you never want to be the one that somebody just looks at and says, well, it was your fault that all this happened. You were the one that told me what to do. And that's why good counselors, psychologists, will never tell you what to do. They'll just lead you into, a decision, into your decision that is your decision if they're doing it right. Verse, uh, we'll read in a couple, 6 to 10. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. The just man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. A king that sits in the throne of judgment scatters away all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin? Diverse weight and diverse measures, both of them alike, are alike abomination to the Lord. So this is the most people will proclaim their own goodness. And the faithful man who can find him. 
And if you've known anybody long enough, it's almost inevitable that people will say, this is who I am, this is how good I am, look at me, they, they like to boast. And a faithful man is one who can just be quiet and let God be their strength. And they're hard to find. They're out there, but they're hard, you know, and, they, and God is saying, we need to let him be the one that raises us up. We, we need to let him be the one that brings us and lifts us up. Uh, we don't want to be the one that boasts of our own goodness because, number one, none of us have a goodness that's deserving of being boasted for because God says that all our righteousness is filthy rags. So we don't have anything. No matter, we could be walking with God for, for all of our life and be as close to perfect as we possibly could, and yet we still don't have a goodness to be able to boast for because there's still evil in us. There's still problems in us that God will lift up and say, uh, here, you know, I'm going to touch these on you and show you that you are not all that good. <clears throat> and it is usually when people are proclaiming their own goodness, there's usually a lot of problems with them because they're needing to proclaim it themselves. The, the truth will come out and people will see them for who they are. And if you're having to boast for yourself, there's probably nothing really to boast for. And that is something that's you know, pretty much true. And that fateful man, you know, that fateful man, that person who is firmly established in God and acceptable to God, they're hard to find. They're hard to find, and when you do find them, you, they'll, they'll be lifted up. People will honor them because they are difficult to find out of the whole population. There's not a whole lot of them, and God will lift them up. And because they're learning to walk with God, they're learning to present God. And they're, they're the ones that you will seek to follow as they're following, following God. A just man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. And this integrity is his completeness. A, a just man will walk in his completeness. The completeness comes from Christ. You know, he's the one that completes us. When we're walking in Christ, we will, have, we will be walking in integrity. The more we walk in him, the more in, integrity we will have. And then we watch the children of those that are walking in integrity, they're blessed because they've got a good example to follow. And it's very interesting to watch people who, you know, the children of those that are you know, walking in integrity, how they come along. It doesn't mean their kids are going to be perfect. It doesn't mean their kids are not going to have problems. But they have an example of how to walk before God, and they're more likely to walk after God than people who have had bad examples. And this is important. It's, you know, we watch people who have problems in their families and you go, okay, what example did you show them of Jesus? Now, are they always at fault? Nope. You know, the children will, will not necessarily follow the parents just because they were the best example. And vice versa, you could have the worst parents in the world and the kids can, can learn to follow God. So it's not 100%, but a lot of times you look at somebody and say, well, their kids are off in the world and doing their own thing. And you watch, did that person really walk in integrity before their kids? You know, uh, Were they having family devotions? Did they bring the Bible home? Did they pray with their kids? Did they lift up, you know, did they really show God to their kids or not? And I've known many people who have gone to church every Sunday morning who don't show a good walk with God the rest of the week. And then you look at their kids and say, well, it's no surprise where the kids have gone. And it's, again, it's not 100%. You could be the best example in the world, and your kids could be the most rotten kids in the, that are out there because they have their own 
personality and their own their own decision making. Uh, but they will follow after their parents in many cases. David was one of those examples. He wasn't a very good father to his kids. You know, he didn't accept the example at home. He did all kinds of things that were wrong. Even though he was a righteous man who loved God, he didn't raise his kids well. And we see the results of his kids all through the all through the scriptures. Uh, so it's important that we understand it's in, that we want to live godly all the time. And this is important for us to understand that God wants us to be his children 24-7. Not just on Sunday morning, not just when it's time for church service, but every day, every hour, we are to bring God into everything we do. And it's been interesting as I read different articles in the, in the papers and, and watching news articles, you know, our government is saying that Christians are a problem because we want to bring our Christianity into our everyday life. You know, and they're saying that we as Christians have to change our views on homosexuality, on, on all these different areas of, that they're trying to say are good and we're saying are bad because they're saying that we cannot bring our Christianity into, the, into our everyday life and God's saying, I want to be there. And it frustrates those who are trying to change everything. And so it's important for us to take a stand and say, this is what God says on this issue. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And take and hold that stand. And it may cost us many things. It may cost us our freedom eventually. It may cost us our, you know, our ability to be in business and do things and may put us into jail. And it has in the past, so it may be in the future. So kill us. That could be that could happen too. I mean, the first century, you know, and all through the early parts of the church, uh, they were martyred because they would not bow down to what the world said they had to do. So, well, it's just a matter of we do what we have to do. We have to do what we have to do, and we stand for God. That doesn't mean we start battles or anything, but we also will not be you know bound by it. And if that means, and it possibly could come down to it, jail time or, or beatings or even being martyred, then we are, will need to be ready to say, I'm going to stand for God in spite of anything that go, is said by the, by the people. And that is, means that we need to know God's word. We need to know when to stand, when not to stand. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, favorites of Nebuchadnezzar, standing in the middle of a plain when the music was played and they stayed standing while everybody else bowed and they said, we cannot bow to your image. And so consequently they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And I loved, I've always loved their answer to Nebuchadnezzar when he said, will your God save you? They go, whether our God saves us or not, we will not bow down to your gods. And then before that they go, he is able to, but whether he does or does not, we will not bow. And that is important for us to get to this point where we are not going to bow to things that are against Scripture. And we need to, as good, strong Christians, have moral, ethical stand that's based on the Word of God. And that means there are standing standards. Does that mean we reject everybody who doesn't follow those standards? No. We're going to love them. We're going to care for them. We're going to pray for them. But we're not going to accept the lifestyle. And this is a place where the church is having to make some stands. The world is saying that fornication is okay. Just live together and you're going to be okay. The church needs to say, no, it's a sin. 
Does that mean you're going to throw everybody out of the church who's living together without being married? No, but you're not going to say that their lifestyle is acceptable. It's a sin. Will that make some of them mad? Yes, it'll make some of them mad. The whole world's willing, willing to accept them, but we'll say no, it is a sin. And it doesn't mean we'll kick them out of the church just because of that, but it means that their lifestyle is not acceptable. If you've got somebody who's a liar all their time, you're not going to tell them that their lies are okay. You know, they may think that they're pathological liars, that they have a psych psychosis in there, and that and that they're sick and they just can't tell the truth. I'm sorry, you're still a liar. You're you're sinning. You know, somebody a thief, and they and they want to claim that they're a kleptomaniac. I'm just sick. No, you are sinning. And that's the problem we have in today's world: is most of the sins are now being called sicknesses. And if you can get them to be called sicknesses. Then you could say, well, I'm not accountable for it because I'm just sick. Yeah. Started, um, I heard that in Canada, it was alcoholism was a, was a sickness. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that here, but now it is. And now it is. And most every other thing is now a sickness. You and I have seen changes throughout the... And we're seeing it with this whole idea of being bipolar. I'm bipolar, so I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not accountable for my angry outbursts. Mania. And there may be some physical aspects to it, but I'm sorry, God says that you know, explosive anger is a sin. I can't say that just because you're, that they say you're sick that you're free of this. It still has to be dealt with at a spiritual level. But the problem is everything that God says is a sin, they're trying to make and say this is a disease. And the more they do this now, is there problems possibly, is, is somebody an alcoholic and they get so bad off that they're physically 100% addicted to it? and can't get off it. Yes, but they caused it. You know, they didn't start out that way. They, they took so much alcohol that they changed their body chemistry. Uh, you know, you got so used to this, the, you know, sin that you're, you're no longer, you know, thinking that it's wrong. Somebody who lies all the time just lies so often that they stop thinking about what truth is. So do they actually end up in some kind of psychological <coughs> sickness? Maybe, and I even, and I'm even questioning whether that is true but they're still choosing to sin and they've got to understand that it's sin and then they can come out of it but as long as they think that it's a sickness you know there's no hope for them because if you're sick you're not accountable for what you do and then when you and they're feeling that when they stand before God they can go God I was just sick I didn't I didn't you know how can you send me to hell because I was sick and that's what Satan is trying to do with this lie of, of every sin being a sickness He's trying to make it so that God would be unfair for judging them because they were sick. And uh, if they were sick, they don't have to deal with it. You know, and they can just tell you, well, you have to accept me because I'm sick. And as long as it's a sickness, you can't make me, you can't hold me accountable for it. You know? And so you've got to get away from that whole mentality and come back to God and say, God says that it is. And they try to get out of it because they say they're sick. You know? And that's why they send them to these hospitals to get healed, you know, instead of dealing with the fact that it is sin. Verse uh, 8, A king that sits on the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. And this is that again, the idea that the king is, or the government is in charge, and all they got to do is start looking at something going wrong, and people will scatter. You know, when the police get around, around about trouble, the trouble usually disappears. Now, some of it nowadays is getting pretty bold, where they will keep going on because they're just not worried about it you know from from a long time ago that after after dark it used to be after dark but now it's getting to be midnight with all the electronic lights you know after midnight nothing good happens and that's right. pretty much true you know if you're out really late at night 
you're usually looking for trouble. Uh, you know, you may be just coming home from a long night or something, but you know, most people that are out late at night are looking for something that is not godly. All right, verse nine. <clears throat> Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. And this is that in that idea that we cannot do enough good to purify ourselves. We cannot clean ourselves up. It has to be God that does it. And this goes back to, like I've said before, all our righteousness is, is filthy rags and one sin is all it takes to, to be condemned. And so this is coming in. You know, we cannot clean ourselves up. We cannot make ourselves pure from sin. It has to be God. And self-justification, self-righteousness is not going to lift, stand before God. And uh, very important. Verse 10, diverse weights and diverse measures, both of them alike are abomination to the Lord. And this goes to the whole idea that, that uh, God wants honesty in dealings. And this goes to businesses back in the days when they would weigh items or, yeah. or use a measuring cup. And uh, so they would... Uh, so many, many business people would have two sets of weights and two sets of measuring cups so that when they were buying, they'd use one. When they were selling, they would use a smaller one or a lighter one so that people didn't get, get as much. I heard on the radio a story about this, this baker that was suing a, uh, a dairy farmer because he was getting less and less butter every, every, every week. And uh, so he took him to court, and the, and the dairy farmer goes, well, Your Honor, I don't have any weights. All I have are balances. So I use his one-pound loaf of bread to give him, his, give him his butter, one pound of butter. So the guy was giving less and less bread <laughs> and then saying that, you know, <laughs> complaining that he was getting less and less butter. You know, so, but it is true, you know, God wants honesty. He wants integrity in the way we deal with people. And we're not to have two sets of rules, and a lot of people have those kind of things. These are the rules for me, and these are the rules for everybody else. Read a couple more. 11. Even a child is known by his doing, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. The hearing ear and the seeing eye the Lord hath made even both of them. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you shall be satisfied with bread. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer. But when he is gone his way, then he boasts. There is gold in, in multitude of rubies, but the lips of, of knowledge are a precious jewel. All right, so we get here in verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, and his work is be, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. And this is something that's very important. You know, people are known by what they do. Whether it's good or bad, people know. And, and this goes into the extreme of saying even a child is that way. They know when a child is doing right or wrong. And the child knows when they're doing right and wrong, if they've been raised up with any morals. But even then, there's the conscience that speaks to, to what's going on. And children are known to be good or bad. And so it's very important for us to see that. You know, the, know who the good ones are and the bad. And people know it. Yeah, the kids know it. The adults know it. And we, and we as adults, know that we are known by whether we're good or bad, and and it's all from the, the routine and uh, that we live. And people can try to pretend that they're good when they're bad, and and people will know very quickly that they're not who they what they say they are. They are bad, or they are, are good, and their and your life will show it. 
and uh, very important for us to understand that the hearing eye and the seeing the hearing ear and the seeing eye the Lord had made even both of them and this is true if we can hear and we can see what God desires it's him that gives us that ability to hear and all through Revelation it says let him that can hear hear and him that see see and Jesus, didn't, when he was walking this earth, they asked him, why are you speaking in prophecies and in uh, parables? And he's going, those who are meant to hear will, will understand, and those who are meant to see Not will see. Not by seeing the word, but by hearing the word of God. Yeah, and God says, you know, he gives the hearing ear. He gives the seeing. And the more we get into God, the more we start hearing things for what they are, the more we start seeing things for what they are. We see through all the the garbage and everything because we get a discerning heart that's from God and we hear the words behind what's being said and as long as we're really walking with God it is hard to be deceived because we're listening and God will God will protect and we will see through things and this has happened to in many occasions where maybe I don't even know why I don't trust the person until I you know God reveals it to me so later nice to see the heart of a bad person change yes and, become a decent and that can happen as well well, that's because it's a work of God inside them, and then we get to see that heart. We get to see that person speaking. And when somebody's trying to get the edge over us, we see what's going on, and or at least sense from God that there's something wrong. And eventually he'll show us what, it, what was wrong, and, and we'll be able to move with it. Uh, the next one, love, love not sleep, lest they'll come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you shall be satisfied with bread. And this is basically saying, don't be lazy and sleep all the time. And, you know, if you're lazy and sleep all the time, you will come to poverty. And it says, open your eyes, wake up. And you will be satisfied with bread because you'll be out doing something. You will yeah. get the reward. Verse 14. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, he, then he boasts. And this goes back to this whole thing of diverse weights and diverse measurements. You know, this is when the guy says, hey, this is really bad. It's worthless. It's no good. And then he boasts about how big, a, how good a deal he made. You know, I got it for nothing. And I've met wheelers and dealers that will really make you feel like you've got nothing. It's a total valueless uh, item, and they're gonna, they're gonna try to keep it from you and and keep you from, so from getting it, and then really boast about how good their deal, how good a deal they made afterwards. You know, I bought it for nothing, and I got to sell it for. I've seen that in the car business. Well, you see it in the car business, the jewelry business. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can you can see it in you know if they're dealing with somebody who doesn't know what they've got, people will oftentimes try to take advantage of them. But it is critical because God is saying this is not a valid way of doing business, and He said it right from the beginning. Even though it's been, which tells us it's been that way forever. You know, it's and it's not new. What's being done today is not new. God says, you know. I want you to be fair to people. You know, we're to be fair to one another. We're to be honest with one another. Give them a fair, fair value for what they're getting, and then, and you know that you're not going to get everything you could. You know, if you sold it yourself, you know, because that person has to make some money. You know, so there is a low and a high on everything. The key is, you know, not to try to, you know, push that low down so low that you're cheating that person and taking advantage of them. Right. Don't take. You know, and that's the big, big problem is don't take advantage of this individual. Help them, help them see what it is they're getting. It says, there is gold and multitude of rubies, but the lips of, of the knowledge are a precious jewel. 
And this is where it says, you know, you, you can try to take advantage of these individuals. You can try to be, you know, treating them poorly. And you might even make a lot of money, but it's not knowledgeable. There's not the integrity that is really what's needed. 16. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Bread of deceit is sweet to the man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. He that goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Whoso curses his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. All right, so let's look at this a little bit. This is, you know, take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a, for a strange woman. And surety is interest, basically, and, and a guarantee of payment. And this is saying, you know, you aren't to take the garment of a stranger because, you know, the garment was what they used to protect themselves. It was their... Their their warmth. It was their covering. It was surety is interest. Surety is interest. You're not you're not to be dealing with surety. And the Bible condemns surety. And now some people will say surety is it's extreme interest, which is how it's being defined now. But the biblical terms, any interest was uh, was not allowed. As a matter of fact, the Jews were not allowed to loan with interest to their own to their own brothers and sisters. Uh, they were not allowed to charge interest to one another. Now they could charge interest to non-Jews in their in their in their teaching because that wasn't, you know, God didn't uh, forbid it. Uh, and it says, take a pledge for him of, for a strange woman or an alien. So we, you know, so God is being very careful about this. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. And this is that whole idea of, you know, when you, when you say that, you know, you deceive somebody, it may seem like you're getting away with it. You may even think you're getting advantage. You're going back to these, taking advantage of people. But afterwards, his mouth shall be filled with gravel. It's very graphic, but it's, it's saying that, you know, you, you, you really feel, especially if you have any honesty afterwards, you feel like you've dirtied yourself. You know, your mouth is full of dirt, you know, and it's, you know, you've said everything wrong. And there are people who get so bad that they, you know, uh, sear their conscience. They no longer, you know, are affected when they, you know, speak evil and take advantage of people. But you could, if you remember Bangalore, the first time you ever told a lie, how bad you felt afterwards. You know, and, and hopefully there was that bad feeling. That's kind of what this verse is talking about. Yeah, the, the whole cheating of people. All right. Every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice, make war. And this is every, all your plans. You, you establish your plans with good counsel. You need to get advice from other people for, for your counsel. Uh, the biggest problem a lot of people have is they always do things with just their counsel. They don't go looking for any advice from anybody else. And... If you're the smartest person in the world, you might be able to get away with that a little bit, but you're still, there's always somebody that when you put together more than one group of people and put together a couple of minds, you usually come out with a better plan that's somewhere between where both people start with. And that's why it said, you know, we, we establish the purpose with counsel, with good advice. And it says, with good, and with good advice, make war. So if you're, you know, he's talking basically to a king. If you're going to go on and make war, make sure you've got good advice.
you have a good reason and you've really looked at your army compared to their army because the last thing you want to do is go go into a battle and you have 5,000 people and they have a million people you did not have good advice you were making a very bad decision Good spies. Yeah, have your good spies. Have your good information coming in. Uh, so, very important on that. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with lips. And so, this is you know, talebearers reveal or or uncover secrets, and. The, the, these are people, most people don't want to be around tailbearers. You know, they kind of, you know, one thing about a tailbearer is that you may think that it's okay while you're listening to them because they're always talking about somebody else and not you. Yeah. But the key is they're probably talking about you when they're not with you. That's what Sky told me about that one. So. Right. We call them tattletales. Yeah, tattletales, tailbearers. I made a joke Gossips, you know, that there are people that are out there trying to say these kind of things, you know, they're just, they're going to reveal everything they know about everybody. They're going to cover their own to, to make themselves feel like they're better than somebody else, you know, by tearing the other person right. down. Taking attention off themselves. And so there's all those problems. It says, therefore, meddle not with him that flatters with lips. And again, this meddle is to have fellowship with. Don't even have fellowship with somebody who's a flattering with their lips. Flattering is very interesting interesting term because every, you know people always want to make somebody else feel better while they're there. I used to say flattery will get you everywhere. And, and to a degree it does if you but it needs to be sincere and that's the problem. And flattery means to open wide, no discernment, no discretion. And people who enjoy being flattered are... They can tell when you're faking it. Some people can, some people can't. Some people just enjoy it and they just get, they just, they're so open-minded that they just say, well, this must be true and I'm going to just revel in it. Verse 20, whoso curses his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. And this is uh, to be, to be disrespectful to your father and mother. And there's so much of that in this day and age, so much going on where people are just disrespectful. Unfortunately, some parents, des you know, probably deserve it, but God still says that they're to be respectful as best they can to their to their family. And it is, and it says that His lamp, His life, shall be put into obscure darkness. And if you're being disrespectful to your to your father and mother, people are going to realize that you really don't have anything that they want to be around. No, they don't. They'll throw you out. You know, it's just not worth it. Your parents will throw you out if you're being mean. Well, it's even at that. I mean, even if your parents aren't around and you're being disrespectful to them, oh, yeah. it's very important to understand. Uh, I had a guy one time that I told, you know, he was going to see my dad. I hadn't seen my dad for a while, and so I told him to, you know, say hi to my dad when you when you see him. And and uh, so his his message was to my dad was uh, Ralph said to say hi to his old man, and my dad looked at him and said, "Are you sure that's what he said?" Because I would, you know, because he knew I would never use a disrespectful term I like never, old man. I never call my mom old, uh, old lady. So that's very disrespectful, right? So he got after the guy, and he goes, "No, he just said to say hi to his father." And then my dad said, "You know, make sure you give the right message in the future." No, it is a disrespect involved to it, and and you know, it's it's now just like when they talk about a husband or a wife, and they're talking about you know the old ball and chain or the battle axe. None of that stuff to me is, has any humor in it at all because. It is disrespectful. There's no, there's no blessing in it. There's no honor in it. 
And it's very important that people use honor and respect with each other. Verse 21 through 25, the inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall be shall not be blessed. Say thou not, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save you. Diverse weights are an abomination unto the Lord, and a false balance is not good. A man's going are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own ways? It is a snare to a man who devours that which is holy and afterwards vows to make inquiry. Verse 21, in the inheritance gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. And this is that whole idea of if you get things quickly, they're really not much value to you. And that's one of the things we see with people who get great big bonuses or all of a sudden make a lot of money, uh, especially when it's not earned in a, in, over time. Uh, you, the lottery winners have problems with this. They don't know how to handle the money. They, they end up losing it very quickly. Uh, people who gamble and try to win big lose their money quickly usually because they just don't know what to do with it when they get it because there's no value to it. They earned it. They earned it quickly. There's no value. There's no, there's no recompense from it. It's just, oh, easy come, easy go is how we would say it. Uh, and God says the same thing. When you get something quickly, it's going to go quickly. It's not, it's not going to be blessed because it was not gotten in the right way. Um, and this is why this whole idea of winning lotteries, winning, winning big, or, or getting something for nothing, it just doesn't work out. Number one, people don't know how to handle it. And plus, number two, they don't have any value to it. Well, I, just, I got it so easy. Who cares? And they just spend, spend, spend. And we see it a lot of times with athletes that make these big, you know, go out of college and make these great big incomes. And then, you know, at the end of their career, they're, they're totally broke because they managed to spend every penny of it and then some. Because there's lots of people who want their money. You know, they've got lots of friends who want their money. Yeah, there's this idea that this big pile of money will never come to an end. And, and those of us who don't make it always kind of look like, well, how can you spend a million dollars? Well, one thing I've learned over years, the more, the more money you have, the more money you will spend. And you will manage to spend it. Uh, one way or the other, you'll spend it. You'll get used to it. You'll set a lifestyle that spends that money quickly. I can't picture ever spending a million dollars in a year, but I'm sure it could be done. Uh, millionaires do it all the time. Uh, you know, and, and vice versa. When I was making a lot of money, I, I spent a lot of money. You know, and when I was making very little money, I spent very little money. Uh, so we adjust our life to the, what we have. And if it's easy come, easy go, then that's what we do. We just spend it real easy. If we don't have any respect for how we got it, then we're not going to respect it while we have it. You know, it, it's just like when you work real hard for your money, then you make start making decisions. Do I want to spend my money on this or that? Yeah, you know, because right. I, I work real hard for this money. Say not, I will recompense evil. Wait on God and he shall save you. And this goes back to what we keep talking about over and over and over again. God is our defense. He is our protector. He is the one that when people do us wrong, God will be our defender. And the sad thing is that the world bombards us with this idea of, Get out there and defend yourself. You know, you got hurt, you take revenge. You know, uh, you didn't start the fight, but you're going to finish it. You know, those, all those mentalities of the world that are out there. And it says, God will take care of us. When somebody get, treats us evilly, God will defend as long as we let him defend. 
If we want to try to get involved, God will say, okay, you can go ahead and do it, and he'll step back, and he'll let you ruin, ruin what would have been a good defense by allowing him to do it. And if we just step back and say, God, it's yours. I'm your child. This person has, has harmed me. You take care of whatever needs to be done. And God will stand up and defend. He will save us as long as we step back and say, God, it's for you to do. Verse 23, we get the diverse weights again. Diverse weights are an abomination unto the Lord, and a false balance is not, not good. And this time he includes the balance, because if you've ever used a balance, you can actually slide the fulcrum point and, and change, you know, can use the same weights and still get a false weight. If it's not set on center, you can make it, you can make it do different things there and not, not center correctly. So he included the balance this time. <laughs> Cheating, cheating scales, you know, and this is the whole thing. God says, don't cheat. Do not work against him. Uh, verse 24, a man's goings are the Lord. How can a man then understand his own ways? And this is true. If God is in control of our steps, he's in control of our way, and we allow him to be in control of our way, then we really don't know our way because it's up to God. And this is why it's important to say, God, I want you to be in control. I want you to be the one that takes care of my life. You direct me. You guide me. And God will take and run our steps. And this is where in James he says, you know, you cannot say that I will go here and there tomorrow. But it says, as if the Lord wills, I will do these things. And that doesn't mean we have no control over what we're doing, but we need to be aware that God is the one that can change our plans and keep us. And it's not us. It is a snare to a man who devours that which is holy and afterwards to make inquiry. And this is to, inquiry means to consider and, and devour is to speak rashly, to talk wildly. In the military, they're doing an inquiry. You know, it's inquiry, and they're considering, yeah, that's a judgment. In this one, it's consider. So it is a snare to a man to speak rashly and then to consider. And this is something that people have to get into. You know, we need to think before we speak. We need to just stop and, and consider. We need to think about what God would have us to do before we speak. And it is so easy for us in the flesh just to jump out and say, spew out a whole bunch of garbage and then go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and at that point, it is too late because once it's spoken, it cannot be taken back. And this is why words are so hard. You can say you're sorry for what you say. You can apologize for having said it. But once you've said it, it is out there. And it will never be totally forgotten. It can never totally be pulled back. And so in the middle of an argument and you say something harsh to somebody that you love or care for, that harsh thing cannot totally be forgotten. It will always be hanging in the relationship at that point. Even though you say, I'm sorry, and they'll even forgive you, it is still out there. And that is why words hurt so deeply. That's why God hates lying lips and gossiping, and because it destroys not just the physical level you know, as a battle would, but it hurts into the very soul of an individual. We cut the, the cutting words can hurt the soul of an individual. And that's why we need to be careful. We need to be kind. We need to be uplifting because... Harsh words will cut deep into a soul and really bring problems. And it's very important for us to watch what we say. 
All right, last little section of this chapter. A wise king scatters the wicked and brings the wheel over them. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is uphold, upheld by mercy. The glory of a young man is their strength, and the beauty of the old man is, his gray, is the gray hair. The blueness of the womb cleanses away evil, so do the stripes, the inward parts of the belly. Okay, a wise king scatters the wicked and brings the wheel over them. And this is the, to judge them. The, the wise king is, brings honest judgment on people. And he will scatter. He will, his, his attitude be, uh, toward evil is scattering. And he's going to chase down. The, he brings the wheel over them. He chases down the evil. Okay. Um, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And God is saying that, you know, we have a lamp. We, the spirit of man is searched out by God. He is the one that he brings his candle in, his candle, the word of God. The, the, the word of God is a light into our, to our path, a light into our soul. And he searched the inward parts of our life. And this is when we really start feeling God's spirit and we feel that judgment upon us from God saying you need to change this area of your life you need to the conviction that he gives us that we are wrong that we need to do and he searches out the inward parts as far down in he just doesn't look at us and say oh I'm looking at you and you're this is where you're at but he gets into our very depth of our heart and our soul and saying this is who you are and I need to change it and very important for that it says mercy and truth preserves the king and his throne is upheld by mercy and mercy and truth preserve or guard the king. His mercy, the, the truth. And truth is important. Truth is always important for us to see. And God shows us truth. And when we know the truth, we hear truth. And we know truth when we hear it. And it says God is merciful and his truth will up guard the king. And his, and his throne is upheld by mercy. The king who is always critical of everybody and never gives mercy is going to look cruel to people. You know, if there's no mercy, there's, there's a cruelty. And that's one of the problems with absolute standards is that when you have an absolute standard that you're trying to hold everybody up to, none of us can live up to it. And that's why God sent Jesus to pay for the price of the sin because he knew we couldn't uphold his standards of perfection so Jesus came along to, to forgive us so that we can then stand forth in his mercy and be treated in a different way because Jesus paid it. The glory of the young man is their strength and the, and the beauty or the ornament of, a old, of the old man is, his gray, is the gray hair. And we see that young men are revel in their strength. You know, I'm stronger than everybody else. I'm able to... To get this done, and you know, uh, I can make things happen, and that's that's the young. You know, I'm going to show off whatever it is. Young show off, and they show off their strength, whatever that strength might be. But it says, the ornament of the old man is his gray hair. The gray hair, you know, that you earn from from life's troubles and life's hardships, and you get by and you survive, and then you hopefully with your gray hair have wisdom. <laughs> You've developed wisdom. It's not just this, I'm stronger than everybody else, but I'm now wise. I can get through 
I have answers to problems. I have answers to issues. I can have advice for the young men to, to survive. The blueness of a wound cleanses away evil. So do the stripes, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. And this goes into the whole idea of a wound when it's healing will get that bluish color as the blood rushes to it. It'll, the bruises that we get that are trying to heal the body. And that's what it's talking about, the blueness of the womb, the blood coming to the wound. And this is what happens in, in a church. You know, when somebody is hurt, when somebody is hurt within the church, then the body comes together and brings the blood of Christ into that situation and helps to heal them. Helps, helps them come back in a stronger way. The body is not to come together and beat up on that poor person who's hurt. We come together and we apply Jesus to them and allow them to be healed, to, to put away the evil. And then stripes to the inward parts of the belly, and that's the, the, the punishment that goes, can happen. Sometimes the whole purpose of punishment is not to hurt the person, it is to teach them not to do wrong in the future. And this is why people have to be careful. I mean, punishment can drop into inflicting of pain for pain's sake, and it's not what punishments are about. Punishment is always to bring somebody into a righteous way of thinking or a righteous way of acting. This is what the book of Revelation is all about. The end days when God judges the earth. It's not that he's trying to inflict punishment. He's inflicting this pain to try to bring people to him, not to make them sorry, but to get them to come to him to change the way they're doing and to become more righteous, and which means to come to him. And the, you know, the, it's not designed to just make people's pain. You know, God isn't up there enjoying making pain on these people. He's saying, I want you to come to me. See, I'm trying to bring you to me. I'm punishing the evil. Come to me. So, we managed to finish chapter 20. So we're going to pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love us and you care for us. We ask that you go with us. And as we go around through the rest of this week, help us to learn to love one another, to speak kind words, to speak righteous words to one another, Lord, and to, to walk in a way that is, brings integrity to you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.